You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Food feature. It's 13 minutes past one, and let's get straight into it. Let's talk food, and uh, most importantly, let's talk uh, the establishments that make some of our favorite, favorite uh, dishes, newfound as, uh, as newfound as they are, and of course, the owners and the founders behind them. Today, we're talking about the underground bakery. Owner, chef, and baker is Stuart McClarty, and he joins us on the line to talk about this new niche bakery operating out of a secret hidden space in the north of Johannesburg. A man of mystery you are, Stuart. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> well, what's not in doubt is uh, the, the scrumptious bits of food um, that I was able to taste today from, um, from the underground bakery. So we'll get into that shortly. But Stuart... Just put us in the picture in terms of the underground bakery. How long have you guys? Um, how long have you guys been operating? And I guess the inspiration and the genesis of uh, this establishment, this operation. Um, well, I reserved the name in June last year, but it took me until November to actually get going. Mm. And um, yeah, we've slowly been building up a client base, and people are fiercely loyal once they've tasted our stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we've been doing. Um, we look at making quality products. So, you know, we only use real butter, you know, stone ground flour, all of those kind of good things. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us, tell me more about all of those kinds of good things and what it is, uh, you know, those, those ingredients or the integrity of those ingredients that get to, you know, that gets you to the place where I taste your food and remain incredibly loyal, as you said. Um, just reading a bit about you, you say growing up, the first memory that springs to mind for you is bread proving in the kitchen. And it's still the smell of freshly baked bread that draws me yes. in to explore more. I don't believe any human being exists who is not somehow, as you say, drawn in by the smell (laughs) of freshly baked or warm bread. There is just something so incredibly comforting um, about that experience, right? And how are you able to translate that into into the offerings from the underground bakery? So everything we make and every person who makes it is passionate about what they do. And... So we are all involved in making it, and the love that we have for the food comes through. Mm. Um, So I I spend a lot of my day inspiring people to just make better food. And we buy, as I say, the best ingredients, and we use loads and loads of butter. And that just gives you the richness that you just don't get from other food. Mm, mm. So... You know, you um, it, it, uh, level five, uh, level five of the lockdown and the initial phase of the lockdown had not just South Africans but the world at large. People were baking, people were trying by hand. Sourdough was a thing uh, for a very, very long yeah. time. <laughs> and I understand you you were part of that sourdough commotion or sourdough movement. Um, so when it came time to, as you said, you registered the name um, or reserved the name in June last year. But when it came time to open up the underground bakery and decide just what your you know, initial product offerings would be, um, I, I, I imagine sourdough was amongst them. What else did you hit upon that you thought this is going to be a real hit or it will take? Because, of course, what we know about this time is it's been incredibly difficult to operate for anyone in the food and hospitality industry. 
So I have a couple of signature dishes. One is the butternut ciabatta. Yes. Um, and then the butternut bread, the butternut ciabatta, the brownies. So triple chocolate brownies with pecan nuts, mm. rich. Yes. Just satisfying. You can have it with a cup of coffee and you can't just have one. <laughs> so, and, and, and then, you, you know, I've added to it and, and I've made blondies, which, yeah. you know, treacle sugar, macadamia nuts, and then it's cooked and it makes this fudgy texture. It's just delicious. So it's effectively my favorite foods that I'm making for other people. Mm. Mm, that's really fantastic. So what what I was able to was that what I was able to taste and just spend uh, a bit of time on this afternoon were the um, the seed bars, which I mentioned in the introduction to the show. Seed yes. bars, when one thinks of them, are very functional things um, and perhaps very bland things, depending on who's made them, right, <laughs> and what you're trying to get out of them. But I bit into one of your seed bars, and it would seem that you have put the seed bars, so it's uh, sunflower seeds, uh, what else is in that mix, and you put them on a bed of shortbread. Yes, it's a biscuit base. Uh-huh. So it's linseed, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, and pumpkin seeds. All the good stuff, yes. Yes, bound together with honey and cream, mm. and then baked. So, why would you do such a thing, Stuart? Um, I mean, a, a seed. <laughs> I'm being serious. A seed bar, you know, is is at after Pilates, after gym snack, and then you put the shortbread on there. And like the blondies or like the brownies, um, you can't just have one now, can you? Because the shortbread in of, in and of itself is just amazing. What's the butter? <laughs> I have a saying, it's better to have eaten than lived than died. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that's definitely, I think I think we've all come around to your way of seeing things. If you've uh, gotten through COVID-19 and this pandemic um, in one piece, absolutely. Now, the um, Jonathan, uh, our producer, had um, the beef stout pie and he declared it to be the best pie he's ever had. I might be lying. Yeah. He either said he's ever had or had in a long time. Talk me through. Ever had, I would put it ever had, right? Yeah, we'll go with the first option. Talk me through that. Just that ratio of um, of a pie to crust, a pie. I mean, um, a filling to crust, a filling to pastry, because that's a large reason why I don't indulge with, uh, indulge in pies so often, right? Unless you know exactly who's made it and how they make it. It's difficult to just happen upon a really enjoyable one. And I liked, I really, really loved and enjoyed my spinach and feta pie. Yes. So my thing is food with integrity. So if I say to you, it's beef, it is beef. And if it says stout, I've used stout. Mm. And there's no fat, there's no gristle, there's no anything else in that pie. It's pure beef. And we check it all. We cut it by hand if we need to. Mm. And then we slow cook it in the stout and just right before we take it off the stove we add a little bit more stout so that you can get the flavor through mm. so when we bake it then we put it in full butter puff pastry again the butter again the butter make our sauce, <laughs> yeah <laughs> with no preservatives no additives nothing in it yeah and the ratios was probably 60 percent filling 40 percent pastry mm-hmm but the pastry is delicious, and even when it's cooled, yeah, it's still got that buttery taste to it. It doesn't set in, in your mouth. Mm, mm. 
Absolutely. You know, and if the spinach, the spinach is spinach and proper feta and cream. Yeah, you know, you bring up something that's so so key and so vital to um, eating out. You know, however much money you spend, it could be a little, it could be a lot, but just understand or being able to trust that uh, what you're eating or what's been promised on the label or the packaging is in fact what's happening. Um, you've just reminded me of uh, a controversy from the states when um, uh, a takeaway sandwich restaurant was struggling to prove uh, that the tuna sandwiches they make are in fact tuna because scientists had done a test and they couldn't really detect <laughs> tuna, a DNA test, tuna in this so-called tuna sandwich. What a bizarre position to be in, you know, as consumers. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Stuart, let's let's talk more about what's on offer, what's available with uh, the underground bakery. And then we're just going to ask you a bit about, I guess, the more business side of things and um, <clears> the <throat> benefits of having uh, or working from a dark kitchen, as it were. But what else is available? I understand um, what we've covered is not even the, um, you know, the half of it. Okay, so we've got a range of pies. So there's the beef and stout, there's a pepper steak, there's spinach and, and uh, feta, there's a chicken and mushroom. Then we do a range of breads. Obviously, we have sourdough. Um, butternut ciabatta, I do a seed loaf, a nice big whole wheat loaf. Then we do a cranberry and oat bread, which is also just delicious with mm. some fresh cheese. Um, then we do a range of confectionery. So crunchies like your mom used to make mm -hmm. with oats and honey and all good delicious things. The seed bars. Then um, biscotti, we do two different types, almond and espresso, mm -hmm. and then a ruby grapefruit and chocolate one. Which is amazing. Had that today, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, they are nice. We do sourdough pizza bases. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a blank base, and then you can put your own toppings on and just bake them in the oven, which is good. Then um, brownies, uh, pecan nut brownies, and then if you're feeling adventurous, we do do a bacon and triple chocolate brownie. Talk to me about bacon and triple chocolate brownies and why. I'm not fighting because I love, absolutely love bacon. So I'm sold. But why and how? What makes it work? So I, I love bacon. I, I, yeah. So <laughs> I had some bacon and I was like, hang on, I wonder if this would work. Mm -hmm. So then added bacon to my brownie recipe, added more chocolate, and that salty, st sweet, with the chocolate, all just comes together and it works. Yeah, yeah. A nice balance of the sweet and the salty. They really temper each other. Correct. Yeah, really enjoyed that. So talk to me then about um, the fact that you are called the Underground Kitchen. You are very mysteriously located somewhere in the north <laughs> and and you know the benefits of this kind of establishment i mean i think we've increasingly heard of um uh of dark kitchens but you know why and how does it work for you um and was there a process in in the beginning of having to convince people or educate people about uh, around ordering strictly online um fresh food as you do talk to me about that it's it, it, it's still a lot of convincing is happening. I mean, I, I know our product is good. You've tasted that our product is good. It's to get people to trust and that they're going to spend money. Mm -hmm. it, um, the dark kitchen works because we can then produce and deliver. And I, I'm, 
can produce just enough to deliver. Okay. So I don't have waste. You know, I've had a bakery before and our biggest issue was having waste. And what do we do with it? Mm. Mm. You know, so we, we would donate it and those kind of things, but it costs you money. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, times were tough. I was like, let's cook to order. So mm. that's what we've done. Mm. You know, you, you, you touch on something that's I think we often don't, or maybe we do, we, I don't think we've got enough of an appreciation of, right? We have our favorite establishments. They make that amazing food. You've got your favorite bakery. You go in there, you see, you know, the breads and the croissants displayed and the meringues and all these lovely things. And to the point of, number one, wastage, to the point, uh, two, of those really thin margins that you guys uh, operate uh, in, yeah. within, I mean, I don't envy you at all so you said that you're able to bake to order and then once one has done so the sort of delivery turnaround time how far in advance are you guys working um and do i simply hop online order on your website and i can expect to see you know a scooter a car uh, at my at my gate beeping within what eight hours 24 hours (laughs) no 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 no, not even 24 hours if you order before nine we generally deliver on the same day lovely Mm mm-hmm um, the pies we sell baked and frozen, so you can cook them yourself at home. Mm-hmm. So if you order them, they come out quite quickly. Okay, okay. You know, so we shortened our, our turnaround times to pretty much same day delivery. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. You know, and for the people, sorry, and for the people close enough to us, mm-hmm. we've actually got a different menu on Mr. Delivery, so oh. they can then order, and within thirty minutes have their stuff. Okay, so there's an underground bakery, Cool Kids Club, that um, yes. I have a feeling I don't quite, <laughs> I don't I make think the cut for. The boundary. <laughs> All right, so another special menu for the Cool Kids um, is on Mr. Delivery. But um, I, I really, I really, really do commend you for starting something under level under level five of lockdown when you know restaurants in general and the hospitality industry was uh, was really, really struggling and taking a battering. So when you think yes. about, um, and of course this is this is your this is your um, career. This is what you've been doing. You are a chef. You are a baker. When you think about the future, um, Stuart and and looking beyond, obviously, you're still growing this specific baby, the underground bakery. But um, what has COVID-19 and just lockdowns in general taught you about how to operate in the food space? Well, the first thing that we did was we all stood around, all the chefs stood around and looked at ourselves and went, what are we doing? Because we didn't have work. Mm. You know, so we then, uh, a whole bunch of guys launched Chefs with Compassion, yeah. where we recycled uh, reject vegetables and distributed it to people who cooked. But working with food, it's made me appreciate it a whole lot more, which is why I don't want the waste. Yeah. And I don't want to produce more than I need. Um, and respect for, for the ingredients. I, you kind of look around and you see people doing things and you're going, please don't do that. Eat properly, eat healthily, look after yourself. And if I'm some small way I can help people do that, then, you know, I'm going to try. All right. Yeah. 
fantastic. You know, I my eyes lit upon one of your um, one of your preserves, which is the Rex Union Orange Marmalade. Um, yes. The history of the Rex Union is one that, that I think we're not all sort of offhand um, offhand familiar with. But the Rex Union at some point was in danger of, I guess, disappearing from our sort of agricultural and uh, even farming landscape. Um, any familiarity with us? Can you just remind us uh, what makes the Rex Union orange particularly special? Well, there's one orchard in the world. Yeah. Um, and it was a, it's a cross between a pomelo and an orange. So it has the bitterness and the sweetness all in the same fruit. Mm. And there's one orchard just outside Rustenburg. Yeah. You get effectively one harvest a year, very limited quantities. Yes. And um, it's part of, I'm going to get this right, Slow Food Arc of Taste. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they have um, earmarked it and are protecting it as a national or, or flavor or, or, or product. Mm. And uh, yeah, we we get a few bags and we make a little bit of marmalade. <laughs> I was, and I was, once it's gone, it's gone until next year. Yeah, and it's a real treat. I imagine you and uh, so many others who work with Rex Union Oranges, you know, have to jostle and uh, for sort of a prime position to be able to get those few bags. But yeah, it's it's a really yes. fantastic endeavor, um, saving and preserving the Rex Union there. Um, they're doing fantastic stuff. Well, Stuart, it's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you this afternoon, getting to know a little bit more about um, about the man behind the business and the ethos of the underground bakery.